a celebration of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is God's declaration of his love for you. Earlier this month, Isla and I celebrated 20 years of marriage. And to do that, yeah, we made it. She survived. She survived. We, I took her to our favorite little seafood joint, and, and we're planning a little getaway a little later. But, but I was just thinking, there's so many different ways that people choose to declare their love or communicate their love. Uh, there, I mean, there's the giving of gifts, you know, taking somebody to the fancy restaurant or buying them something really special. And that's one way that we use to say, I love you, I care about you. In fact, this year, surprisingly, uh, or maybe not to you, this year on Valentine's Day, between the flowers, between the candy, between the jewelry, between the special clothing, everything else, uh, Americans spent over $20 billion to say, I love you, right? So it is, it is gift-giving. Gift-giving is a way that uh, a lot of people send that message uh, of love. But even when you give a gift, there is room for some miscommunication. It's not a perfect translation of your love for another person. But it's, it's one way. Another way that, that, that people have shared their love, and this one is not quite as expensive in financial terms, is obviously to, to get a pen, get a piece of paper, and write down your feelings for that other person. Not just buy the cheesy Valentine's Day card or anniversary card and let Hallmark share sentiments for you, but actually write inside the card how you feel. Or write a poem, or, or hire a skywriter. Uh, but, but that's one of the ways we share love, isn't it? To write down our feelings. Uh, not highly recommended would be sending a love email, not quite as intimate, or a love text message, really not recommendable. Um, but, but, there, but those are ways that we choose to communicate our love. But, but it seems like so many of these different ways that we tell someone that we love them, uh, something gets lost in translation between the heart and between the other person. There really isn't um, in human terms, that perfect way to share your feelings exactly. Something always gets lost in translation. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this. This is really kind of fun. Um, have you guys heard of Google Translator? Pretty cool, right? Google Trans you get on Google Translator, and you can take any phrase in English, translate it to about 50 different languages, and then um, communicate something in that language. Well, what's fun on Google Translator is to take a simple phrase, a coherent, completely meaningful phrase, run it through two, three, four, five different languages, and then bring it back to English and see what you end up with. So this week, my experiment involved going to CNN.com, and I looked at the, the headlines of different stories, and so I just chose a headline. I chose this one. Hero Chihuahua takes on Pitbull, all right? Hero Chihuahua takes on Pitbull. And so the first thing I did was take that headline and translate it into Arabic, all right? So I translated into that into Arabic. Then I took the Arabic and I copied, pasted, translated it into Chinese, right? And then I took the Chinese and I translated that message back into English, 
the message that I ended up with, okay, remember I started with Hero Chihuahua takes on Pitbull. The message that I ended up with was this. The company's acquisition, champion Chihuahua dogs. Doesn't even, yeah, it's one of those, huh? What? Huh? Something so easily gets lost in translation, even when you use something as good as Google Translator. Now, what I want you to think about, obviously, we're not just talking about Valentine's Day. This is Easter. I want you to think about God, right? Throughout the centuries, God has been looking for different ways to show us how much he cares about us, how much he loves us. And he has tried all sorts of things, but it is difficult to translate. Here we have God who has lived eternally in heaven, and you and I haven't. Here we have God who is holy and just and sinless, and we aren't. Here we have a God who is all-powerful. A lot of us struggle to get the ketchup bottle open in the morning or at lunchtime. Here we have a God who is all-knowing, right? And a lot of us, like me, can't even figure out how long to set the microwave so that the popcorn turns out just right. We have a God who is different from us in virtually every way. How is this God going to communicate the passion that he has for us? How is he going to show us how much he cares? Well, the Bible says he's been trying to do this forever, all right? So one of the ways God shows us he cares is through giving us gifts, all right? In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that even the sun is a gift from God. And the rain, like we're having this morning, is a gift from God. And Jesus says God doesn't just give these gifts to the good people, all right? He gives these gifts to all people to show that he cares for us. So God is, is always giving us gifts, the gift of health, the gift of friendships, the gift of food, the gift of beauty. These are gifts from God to show us that he cares for us, right? Another way that God shows his love is through, is through giving us his wisdom, right? Good dads do this. Good dads are teaching, are training their children on some really basic stuff and some not-so-basic stuff to help their kids out along the way. Well, God does the same thing. God loves us, and he shares his wisdom with us. The Bible is full of, of precepts and principles and commandments designed to lead us into a more meaningful life, a more abundant life. That's his will for us. And so he's always sharing his wisdom with us to help us find the way of life. All right? Now, you could think about that and say, wow, God must really care about us. This God in heaven, this God that is so different from me, but has chosen to reveal really practical stuff for me in my life. He must really care about me. Or you could decide based on all of this information here that God is, is like Officer Brian. God is a police officer. All right. Officer Brian's a really cool police officer, by the way. But you can say that God is like this legislator. That is, his main interest is in coming up with rules and then making sure that you follow those rules or else. That's what some people get from the word of God, unfortunately. 
Another way that God shows us that he loves us is through, is through nature. I mean, open your eyes and look around. God has created this amazing place full of beautiful things for us. I mean, take a trip to the Rocky Mountains or take a trip to the coast and, and spend a day sitting on your chaise lounge, looking at the ocean, listening to the ocean. Take a look at that sunrise and think, this is God revealing his beauty and his creativity. God really loves us. But, well, in fact, the psalmist wrote this in Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 to 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? that you care for him. The psalmist says, I look at all of this. I look at your grandeur. I look at your power. I look at the the display of awesomeness that is the universe. And I'm humbled to know that you're thinking of me, that I'm lodged in your celestial, omnipotent, omniscient mind. It is an amazing thing. But you see, not even nature is a perfect translation of how God feels for us because over the centuries, people, some peoples have actually worshipped nature. You know, worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars instead of seeing those things as creations of God. Other people have kind of gone to the other extreme so fascinated by nature, so fascinated by what they see, what they can touch or experience with their five senses. They have found no need for God and have decided that the material world is all there is. There is no spiritual dimension. There is no God. So even through this amazing, what I would say is a display of his love for us, some people get so lost in that that they are no longer able to see God We become, or we can become, so enamored with, fascinated with the gifts that God makes and provides us that we can begin to long for, to crave, and even to give our adoration to the gifts instead of the giver of the gifts. And that's always been a problem. Well, Easter, talking about things getting lost in translation. Easter is the perfect translation of God's love for you. It is the perfect message of God's love for you. It leaves no doubts, but what he cares about your life, that he cares about your future, and that he actually longs to be in a deep love relationship with you. That's what we hear Or should hear when we hear the word Easter. Because see Easter is about God not just telling us he loves us. Not just like writing it down for us. See I said I love you. Easter is about God proving he loves us. Think about this. God came into this world. Right as I was describing all the beauty and all the gifts and all the wonder world. You may have been thinking yeah but this place is kind of messed up too. And yeah it has It has a pretty messed up side, doesn't it? But God entered into this violent, depraved, sinful, depressing place. God became one of us. God, and there is no more clear expression of love than to live with somebody 
to live with their hangups, to live with their faults, and to continue loving. And then to give your life, to give your life for that person. If they still doubt your love at that point, they are loco, okay? God proved how much he loves you. He didn't just tell you how much he loved you. And we're going to bounce really quickly between the two John 3.16s this morning. The first one, very familiar to you, John 3.16. You've probably seen it on a poster at a football game, all right? Here it goes. And what I want you to do is, if, if this will show up on the screen, I want you to read this along with me this morning. John 3.16, read this out loud with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Does that deserve an amen? I think it does. God loved this world. God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus into this world. He didn't just shout, I love you, from the other side of the universe. He came here with us. And he suffered everything a person can suffer. Even up to the point of being a victim of violence, a victim of betrayal, and even an unjust execution. He got personally involved in our broken world so that there would be nothing lost in the translation of his love for you. So that you would know with confidence that the creator God of the universe cares about you and wants to be in a relationship with you. Now the other John 3.16 is 1 John 3.16. I want you to also read this aloud with me if you would. 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Let's read that again. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Real love. We know what that is because Easter, because of Easter, because he gave up his life for us. You see, when somebody tells you they love you, You may think, I'm not so sure. Even if somebody gives you costly gifts, you may still think, I don't know. I think there's an ulterior motive there. But when God came and sacrificed his only son for you, you don't have to doubt his love. You can know that he loves you. And since Jesus not only died for you, but also rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. He gives each of us a hope that the suffering and the injustice that we see in the world will not have the last word. We live in hope because of Easter. Now, you may have your doubts about the resurrection, and I'm glad you're here this morning if you do. You may say, there's just not enough proof, all right? Or, I wasn't an eyewitness, so I can't say for sure. What's really neat about Easter is that it was not only a one-time event, a one-time historical event, all right? But Easter is happening in the lives of the men and women who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. 
right? We are witnesses of Easter. What I mean by that is you have a room full of people here and you have auditoriums full of people all over the world who can tell you personally, I experienced the power of the resurrection in my life, right? I wasn't an eyewitness of those events 2,000 years ago, but I am a witness of what God has done in my life through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. I'm going to introduce somebody very special this morning. Her name is Brigitte. Brigitte, if you would come on up and take a seat. Let me tell you a little bit about Brigitte. She is from Rwanda. She is a really cool young lady who is a senior at Oklahoma Christian, about to graduate. Welcome. Good morning. Happy birthday again. She had her birthday yesterday, 23 years old, and her spiritual birthday is tomorrow, celebrating her baptism. Let me tell you one more thing about her. Let's have a seat here. Brigitte, you are a presidential scholar from Rwanda. That means that in that country, they choose their very best and brightest to go study abroad, and she is one of those who has been chosen to study. Oh, is that? Yep, it's on. So what I wanted to do was just bring one of these witnesses before us this morning and let her share a little bit about her story. So Brigitte, so glad that you're here with us. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, what you're doing and what your plans are. All right. As you said, my name is Brigitte Yaneza. I'm a Rwandan presidential scholar going to Oklahoma Christian University. I'm graduating in April 26th in computer engineering. I've been in a in Oklahoma Christian for four years. Uh, throughout my four years, I've gained both education and my faith. God strengthened throughout my school because there's great people in Oklahoma mm-hmm. that helped me develop my faith. Uh, recent, I got baptized last year, and my passion for Christ is increasing as I like reading. And recently, I started reading faith-based books that helps me see how God loves me and strengthen my faith in general. So I guess... yeah. I like playing volleyball and hanging out volleyball. with my friends. Yeah. yeah. So I guess you're not spiking it? or <laughs> <laughs> How I'm tall not... are you? <laughs> I'm learning how to spike. I'm not an expert yet. Awesome. But I'm getting there. You're better than I am. <laughs> so, Brigitte, um, many of us are familiar with, probably all of us are familiar with the Rwandan genocide, although a lot of us don't know a lot of details about that. But I know that is an experience that, that obviously your, your nation passed through and also affected you personally. Can you talk a little bit about that? All right. Genocide happened in 1994, and there around a million people killed during genocide. A million people? Yeah, a million people. And then it was one tribe killing the other, Hutu killing Tutsi. Mm-hmm. And it was through our genocide that both my parents got killed. So and your parents lost their lives in the genocide? Yeah. So. We were both there, and then they killed my parents, but by the grace of God, they didn't kill like all my, me and my siblings. How old were you when that happened? I was four years old. Four years old. Mm-hmm. And if I'd say like, the way genocide impacted my life, mm-hmm. as I, I said, like, I lost both my parents, and I guess it started shaping my life as I, I first lived with my grandmother for like two years. And then I, moved, I went to live with my, uh, my aunt, the only mm-hmm. 
for like a year or two. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the family had to go in court and we went to live with my uncle for, since I was like seven until I was okay. 19 before I came here. What's his name, your uncle? His name is Louis. Okay, so you lived with him from seven to 17? Yeah, and then after around, when I was 18, that's when we separated because my, my older sister was old enough to take care mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. So I'd say, I've experienced the consequences of genocide throughout mm -hmm. my life and right now I'm still experiencing because we're living by ourselves. But we have, we've had a great experience with people helping us like when our parents were not there. Let me ask you a question that um, a lot of people think about these moments like a genocide and say, look, there is no God, right? I mean, how could there be a God? And, and yet here you are, um, a follower of Christ, full of hope, affected by the genocide, but not, not, not knocked down and hopeless. And could you just share with us how you saw God working in all of that? I saw God working in my life from all those parts. I said, like, I first lived, I lived with a lot of people in my life, and it was a transition. I saw, like, a path God was making for me, either for my faith and my education, because throughout living with my uncle, we had to, like, he taught us how to pray mm -hmm. every day. Like, we had to pray. He made you guys pray. He made, <laughs> he made us pray. Like, it was, it was a must. Yes. But then after we separated with him, I was still praying that I got to a point I was asking myself why I was doing it, <laughs> and then decided to discover for myself God. So when I look back into my life, I see all those patterns, God giving me a foundation for education until I got a scholarship here, and then also give me my uncle to give me a foundation about him, and then help me build a desire for him. So Uncle Louis time. kind of planted that seed in you, and, and for a while you weren't even sure why you were praying, but then you, you found God. Yeah, it was when you have a family that you have, like a family that prays, you do it because it's a family thing, but you get to a point, I got to a point in my life, I was like, why am I doing this? And mm. then I discovered that it's something that was shaping my life, that gave me discipline, that gave me hope Amen. and everything. Amen. Just tell us a, a second. I mean, I didn't, I didn't tell you that I was going to ask you this, but kind of what are you thinking about for the next few years? Kind of what are your future plans? I know you're graduating with a computer engineering degree, mm -hmm. so you're a programmer, right? Yeah. And kind of what are you thinking about the next couple of years? Since I said I'm graduating in April, I'm planning on going to grad school. I either can get a computer engineering degree in Oklahoma Christian University mm -hmm. or get a a networking engineering degree in Rochester Institute University. Rochester, depends, New York. Uh -huh. Yeah, it depends which university I get accepted mm -hmm. into. And I want to take to use that my master's, my degree, to I want to get knowledge and experience to be able to, to go back to my country because my country invested in me. Wow. And I want to go back and help my country develop because it's throughout my life they invested, they gave me a nice education. I want to go back and give back to my country. You know, I look, I, I see God working, and I never, sometimes it's kind of hard to see how he's working until it's like, aha. Mm -hmm. But this church, Preston Crest, we have a couple that are working in Kigali right now, are, are teaching English in Kigali. We have a young woman, Amy Willis, who is preparing to go and work with an orphanage. Actually, it's on the, um, the inside back cover as one of the things that we were helping with World Care this morning. And I see, I mean, I just think it's fascinating that here's this country in the middle of Africa 
that God is just lining things up and, 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 and He's bringing us all together. And I know that God has a movement planned for that country. And I know He's already moving. Mm-hmm. But I know that he, when I see somebody like you, as bright, intelligent, full of hope as you are, young as you are, and you're, you're already thinking, how can, I, how can I prepare myself to go back? I just think God has great things in store for that country. And one thing I would also say, like, Rwanda is a tiny country. Like, most people don't even know when it is. When you try to point it out, you can hide it with your finger on the map. <laughs> but I guess with genocide, I wouldn't say it's a good thing that happens, but God worked through genocide to make, like, Rwanda get known and his mm-hmm. mercy. And one thing that the, our government did that actually impacted my life is about forgiveness. Yes. Because there are a lot of people who died during genocide, and the, a lot of people were in prison. So they had a way to be able to reconcile the Rwandans so that there won't be any other genocide. So people had to confess what they did, and the fam- mm. families that lost theirs had to be brought so that mm. they could forgive other, like those who killed their relatives. So I'd say it doesn't take human strength to be able to forgive, forgive someone who Right. who make you lose your life, or like someone who made me lose right. my parents. So I'd say one thing I saw, especially on Easter with the resurrection, when I saw a movie about Jesus being beaten and then went on the cross, it's about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And among those people he died for, those people who did genocide among those people. Wow. And only God like, made me think about that, that he, he also forgave them. I'm not the only one who kicked him to forgive sin, like forgive those people. Wow. So I'd say, and one other thing I see in resurrection is God has, like my parents were taken away, but he's provided people in my life to tell me what my parents should have told me if they were mm-hmm. here, especially like the Simmons. Yeah. Like, God is working through people to show me that he actually loves me. The and Simmons I, are, Isla's sister Patty is here, and she's, and her and her husband Jeff have kind of become your American parents, and, mm-hmm. and I know they love you as much as you love them. It's been a blessing both ways. Yeah, so that's one way I see God working through people that he gave me in my life that actually give me, like, which way to go and showing me that there is love in people, in the God's people. That's right. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. And I know that we just pray God's richest blessings on you, that that way, that path that you talked about him opening up, mm-hmm. that that just grows wide and clear, and you see the amazing plans he has for you because he's going to use you. He's going to use you to bless churches. He's going he's to use you to bless your country. I just It's hard to even imagine all the ways. But thank you for sharing that word about forgiveness. We can't, we can't forgive on our own, especially when you think about your parents were murdered. Mm-hmm. To be able to move on from that, to be able to leave that behind, it's only through the power of God, the power of the resurrection, and how God, you, you saw that He, Jesus didn't just die for people with a little bit of sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus died for all sinners. And I appreciate you sharing that with us this morning. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to actually share about God and what he's done for me. Thank you, Brigitte. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.
Jesus is God's answer to the darkness that we see in the world, the violence, the betrayal, the genocide. Jesus is God saying, I am going to get personally involved in your situation. By your stripes, by my stripes, he says, you will be healed. And as Brigitte shared with us, it is even in, and perhaps it's because of the very dark and difficult situations where sin is covering that situation that you see Easter shine the brightest. Because as she said, Jesus died even for those who committed the genocide. And there is forgiveness for all of us. No matter what your background, there is forgiveness through the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, right? This morning, hundreds of millions of people are joining with us in our choruses of praise, celebrating the Easter victory, celebrating how the love of God has been translated into the lives of each one of us. And we celebrate the definitive proof that we have, not the idea Not the suggestion that maybe God cares about us, but the definitive proof on the cross that no, He does. I know He cares for me. He died for me. And that's why we celebrate in case you are wondering. Now, if you're a follower follower of Jesus this morning, you find hope and you find strength in any situation you might face. Because of Easter. If you're not a follower of Christ this morning, the message from God to you is this. Your life here is not an accident. God dreamed you up. God put you here. You're here with a purpose. God wants to fill your life with meaning and with resurrection power. If you're not a believer this morning, know this. God wants to turn you into a witness of his love and a witness of his power. God wants to turn you into like Brigitte, into a a living, walking billboard of how much he loves. For God so loved the world. And we're witnesses of that.